0: Our scripture reading this morning is from the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verses 15, 16, 25, and 29. Please give your attention to the reading of God's Word. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up. As fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Father, would you meet us here in this moment before your word as we bow and lean into you? Would you meet us? Would you bring your word to bear upon our lives? to inform our minds and to shape our our hearts and and order our steps. For the sake of Christ and his glory, we pray. Amen. Well, as I mentioned, we're in a series. (laughs) We conclude a a series today. Um, It has been about this repentant life, and today we get to look at the other part of what we were considering last week as we looked at verses that uh, we've just read once again from Ephesians 4. Uh, the, um, the one of the things that runs through, has run through each of these weeks that we've been, uh, between Nate and I, the two of us have tried to emphasize, but without using these words, is this. That we become a community of repentance by spending the currency of words we I don't need to persuade you or any of us how significant words are uh, they have a significance our words have value and the reason is that God created that capacity Created in the image of God, the one who spoke, we have this God-given ability to speak. And what do we speak? It's words. And those words are significant, and they, they, they carry something with them when they go. They're significant, but we struggle. We, we struggle that with those words... Um, In Genesis 1, in that Garden of Eden, there was simplicity and beauty of the words that were spoken. Human communication was marked by beauty and goodness. There was no struggle once upon a time. Everything that was spoken reflected the glory of God, and it landed there. That was then. But the struggle that we have with our words is rooted in that same garden After the fall. You see, the struggle that we have with words isn't a matter of technique and skillful language selection. It's much deeper than that. It it runs to the brokenness of our hearts and our lives. In fact, if you want a good indication of what's going on in anyone's heart at any given time, just listen. Listen. Because that's what comes forth, that's what comes, Jesus made that plain, didn't he? It's it's from the heart that these words are spoken. But what we learn when we come to this verse in chapter 4, there's actually, as you would understand, three chapters that precede this one verse that we're going to look at today and we'll touch on that in a bit, but what we see in this one verse that we're going to focus on out of the ones read, today's text is really verse 29. Look at that with me. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. What Paul wants us to grasp What the Lord, who gives us this, wants us to understand is that when we are aware of the grace that we have received, chapters 1 through 3, it flows into and shapes the words that we speak. We are to speak words that benefit one another. We learned last week that some of those words that benefit one another are words of correction, Nate walked us through that and unpacked that a bit. Speaking the truth in love, bringing truth to bear, applying the the call of God upon our lives is part of the way that we talk to one another. But today we're going to look at, in verse 29, what we see. If those were words of correction, what, what Paul is now getting at in verse 29 is we might call words of grace. And what we're going to see, and the little stepping stones to our time together this morning, are we're going to, we're going to examine the wor- words that we are to avoid, words that we are to employ, and what happens when we do both. That's our, that's our roadmap. Words that we're to avoid. Um, There's one verb in this sentence, actually, when you sit down with your Bible and you're trying to understand it and you find a verb, latch on to that. That will be the first clue at what that's going on in that that passage. And the verb in this one sentence talks about things that come out. And what he's saying is there's certain things that come out that could and should mark the conversation that occurs In a repentant community. Last week it was words of correction. This week there are words that come out that we're to pay attention to. The first one is the words that we're to avoid. The things that that come out of this heart that is mine and yours. Uh, the, The word that Paul uses is translated in here, corrupting talk. Let no corrupting talk. Sort of like, um, you know, that clear glass of cold water that is in front of you at some point, and then somebody drops something into it. Something that corrupts or undoes what's beautiful and good about what once was there. The word that, that Paul uses is translated elsewhere unwholesome. It's the same word that Jesus used when he described the tree that bears bad fruit. So, putting that all together, the, the word that what Paul is really trying to get across is what is not to come out of my lips or yours is worthless, rotten talk. Now, <clears throat> he's not really referring in this instance to vulgar, obscene four-letter words. That's not what he has in view. He has something much more redemptive in view. What he's saying here is pay attention to the worthless, unwholesome, me-centered talk that becomes so much a part of our vocabulary. And I I think that's the way to understand this word based on what we're going to find when we get to what is the kind of talk we are supposed to use. He's contrasting words that build up to words that tear down or words that are worthless or rotten. Me centered talk has no higher purpose than my own desires, my own dreams, my own demands, maybe. That's me centered. Uh, Those those words flow from a heart controlled by present personal and earthly desires. I know that. They're, They're spoken because they please me and accomplish my goals. Those are the words that Paul is urging us to pay attention to and to avoid. Words that are an attempt to get me what I want without reference to the lordship of Christ or my call to be his ambassador. Words that that fly around because I want my way and I need it now. Proverbs, I, I, I love and I hate this verse in Proverbs. And you'll know what I mean when you hear this. There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts. Rash words that, that come out that have the effect of sword thrusts. That flow from or spew from the lips of a heart that is centered in darkness. That are about me and my demands and my expectations and my desires. And frankly, <clears throat> that is something that I said I love it and I hate it because I'm finding how true that can be. Words like sword thrusts. Because they come from a heart that is bent in on itself. And is me-centered. Those are the kinds of words that Paul says we are to avoid. The rest of that proverb reads like this. But the tongue of the wise brings healing. And it provokes me to ask the question about my words. Are they like sword thrusts or do they... Bring healing. And that's where Paul goes. He says, We are to avoid words that are corrupting. Let no corrupting words come out of your mouth. But instead, there are a kind of words that we are to employ. We're to be, verse 29 suggests, unshakably committed to this kind of talk with one another other-centered talk, other-centered, other-centered talk and conversation that has grace, mercy, and love underneath it, that has the needs of others as its focus, where we take the time to consider the person that we are talking to. That's what this passage is about. And I've, and I've come up with three words to describe what I think Paul is getting at here. They're, I didn't make up the words. They, you'll recognize them. The first one is words that are intentional. Words that are intentional. That is, they are selected and purposeful. That we choose the words that we speak. George Herbert said, good words are worth much and cost little. But I have to choose to speak them. I have to be intentional with those words. As I read earlier from Romans 15, Paul says, Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. And that's the category here. Words that are intentional, that are selected, and that are purposed. And the purpose is to build up. Those are the words that should mark my conversation, our corporate conversation there's another word for it Uh, this word is a word that I don't use often and I don't practice it very often which is why the book entitled practicing affirmation captured my attention a few weeks ago a book by uh, Sam Crabtree who notes how often the scriptures are filled with affirmation we don't run into the word very often, but we see affirmation all over the place. The Lord affirmed Noah when he said he's righteous in his generation. Pharaoh, of all people, of Joseph, said he's remarkably discerning and wise. Boaz called Ruth worthy. The angel said to Mary, you who are highly favored. And Paul wrote about Phoebe and the remarkable distinction of her servant ways. And then there's Hebrews 11. Where we find one after another commendation of the faith of those that had gone before. So the Bible is filled with it. It's... it's this affirmation of coming alongside and addressing with intentional, selected, purposeful words that, that, that land in a person's life. Um, you know, last week we talked about correction. You remember, some of you, that? Speaking words of truth to one another? One of the things that's important to recognize is that corrections... Way more than affirmations. It's the, here's the example if you were to be corrected and affirmed all in the same conversation, how do you walk away? Corrected, right? <laughs> Co- corrections, way more. It's sort of the yes but syndrome. Yes but. And what I'm hearing is, I've not heard the yes. I'm just hearing the rest and the, and the punch that comes, that follows. Um, someone suggested that because corrections weigh more than affirmations, it takes more affirmations to, to land in someone's life. And one person said, I don't know, I think it's three out of five. For, f- three to five, Three to five affirmations for every correction balance things out in a way that life is lived well. You can figure that one out. Maybe it's ten to one. If you're extremely sensitive, it might be forty to (laughs) one. But but there's a place in which... I see that nod, yeah. (laughs) We find ourselves in this. But But the place, the point is that God's called us to learn how to talk with one another in ways that build up. It doesn't preclude correction, but it, it, it absolutely includes words of building up and affirmation. Words that are intentional and selected, which I've mentioned. Words that are situational. That's what he gets to next. He says we are to, to use words that are good for building up as fits the occasion, that fits the need. What is the need in this person's life? Proverbs 15 uh, will sound familiar to some of you. To make an apt answer is a joy to a man, and a word in season, how good it is. Some of you have received those words. If there's been a crisis or a tragedy in your life, and someone comes along, and they're stumbling for what to say, but they say something that lands, it may not be the one thing that you hadn't heard before that you now need to know, but you know when words land in the circumstances of your life and how not only pleasant that is, how build up, uplifting and building up that is. Words that land, words that fit the occasion. On the other hand... Proverbs also warns us, a loud and cheerful greeting early in the morning will be taken as a curse. So be careful how you greet people early in the morning, uh, we're told. But what is the occasion? What is the need in somebody's life? It it assumes and requires that I'm going to be attentive or that we learn how to be attentive, be listeners and paying attention to to one another. I love the way um, the writer of Hebrews captures this when he says, let us consider how to to spur one another on to love and good deeds. You know that word consider? That's real close to what Paul is urging upon us right here. When he says let us consider, he uses a word that means this, to put your whole mind onto something. To observe attentively. It's it's focused attention on that person that we're talking about or with. It's putting your whole mind and it's, it, it requires that we avoid being distracted from other things to attend to the person in front of us. And when somebody has done that for you, when they've so listened and attended and asked helpful questions, to understand your circumstance, your dilemma, your joy, whatever it is. When they're working to understand, you know that there's, that there's a bridge being built between two people that words can then spill across, words that land, that fit the situation. It, it means to put your whole mind onto something, to think very carefully so that you give the right answer or the right words. It's present active, meaning that it's ongoing, it's continuous, meaning consider and keep considering, paying attention to this person that God has placed in front of you. So those are the two two characteristics, words that are intentional, words that are situational, that fit the purpose, but then Paul doesn't leave it there because that's not enough. that it may give grace to those who hear is the rest of his sentence and the rest of his charge to us. Words that are intentional, situational, and we might say grace-filled. Paul Tripp wrote these words, we are to talk in a way that gives grace. People do not exist for our happiness and contentment. Rather, God has appointed us to faithfully communicate his powerful love for them. You know that? You, you, you're, you're appointed to that. that is, that's part of your role in the body of Christ, is to be one who, who looks at others and says, "I'm here to faithfully communicate God's powerful love to you." And we become, our words become, and we become conduits, pipelines of the life-giving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ to be a part of what God is doing in the lives of others. What a, what a grand journey that is. What a, what a big responsibility and privilege that is to be conduits of grace, of His grace, bringing grace to bear, that it may give grace to those who hear. Proverbs, again, I like I, Proverbs, I guess I read it this week. Uh, chapter 16, Gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. And when you've heard those gracious words that are filled with grace and and pointing you to Christ, those are the nourishing, life-giving words that we need to hear. We need to hear because, as a friend of mine said, this stuff leaks. And we need this constant and continual story in front of us of God's love for us in Christ. What does this sound like? If we're going to speak words that are intentional, situational, and grace-filled, how do we do that? Well, this is Sam Cramtree's offer and suggestion, which I found helpful, and maybe you will as well. These words need to be detached from correction. we It's not that we never speak correction, but these words of affirmation need to be detached from that. When we need to confront and that was the the, the talk last week, the message last week it's in the context of grace but there need to be words that you and I hear that are not attached to correction because of what I said earlier about how weighty those confrontations and challenges and corrections are there needs to be Times in my life and yours where we're hearing words of affirmation that are not attached to correction. They also need to be steady. Uh, You see, this tends to evaporate over time. As I said, a friend of mine says this stuff leaks. Sam Crabtree wrote these words Yesterday's refreshment doesn't refresh permanently. You can't stockpile freshness, it needs to come again. Um, Mary Lynn and I have a little thing at our home. <clears throat> it might be why after these many years, our marriage continues to flourish and go forward. But um, our typical greeting on a on a weekday or even um, weekend morning goes something like this. Mary Lynn, do you know that I love you? And she'll look at me and say, nope. So, well, I said, well, I told you that I love you. you. Do you remember that I told you that I love you? No. Because that was yesterday. And through that little exchange and the laughter that ensues, um, we managed to work our way forward and learn that these things do leak. And you can't stockpile freshness. And there's something about the gospel that, I need to hear every day. Um, we, I've, used, uh, I've quoted others saying, you know, we need to be missionaries to our own hearts, bringing the gospel to bear upon us. And then and only then do we have words to exchange and offer to others. Uh, our words need to be detached from correction, they need to be steady, they need to be honest. We're to commend the commendable. They need to be God-centered, and I found this helpful, that, that there's one thing that's worth thinking about when we're commending and affirming others, and that is pointing to the image of God in that other person. What is it about that person that reflects the image of God and commend that? And for those that are part of a repentant community, it's not only the image of God, it's the work of God. You begin to see patience in someone who was not. Or you begin to see determination in someone who wasn't. Or you watch, you catch somebody forgiving someone and you you note that. When you see the image of God and the work of God in that person's life, note it. Commend that. But for several reasons, this is, this is all pretty rare. I don't think I'm jumping to any conclusions there. This kind of talk among us is, and I don't mean Cornerstone, uh, merely, <laughs> it's rare. Some people are good with compliments. That's not what we're talking about. We're, we're talking about bringing words that fit a situation that are that are thought out that are timely that land in someone's life that build up not merely throwing around compliments not merely throwing around words of flattery it requires more intentionality and more thought and frankly maybe that's one of the reasons that words like these are so rare because they best occur in relationships that have been formed. And when I slow down and you slow down for us to talk long enough for me to have some idea of what's going on in your life and you know what's going on in mine. One of the reasons that there's, these are so rare is that we are preoccupied. Or maybe it's distracted. Distracted chasing our own ideals. We, we won't talk this way. If our hearts are filled with our own desires, demands and, and needs. If we are so me centered, we won't get to this point. We're preoccupied and distracted. That's one reason. Another is sometimes we confuse affirmation with flattery. I mentioned that a moment ago. We confuse the two and we know I don't want to flatter you, so I'm not gonna affirm you. Well, how does that work? <laughs> does that work? That's that's not a given. We're preoccupied, we confuse it with, with flattery, that backs us off of it. Or maybe this one, and it's related to the one I just mentioned. Maybe we, f- we fear fueling idolatrous pride in others. Do you ever get to that point? I don't want to throw gasoline on this prideful person that give him more, more fuel for that fire. He's, he's proud enough. It's related maybe in a twisted way in in my own head over the years to Jesus' words in Luke 17 where he says, does he thank the servant because he did what he was commanded? So you also, when you've done all that you were commanded, say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done what was our duty. Some of the times I'm thinking it was just her duty. Why do I need to thank her or acknowledge what she should have done anyway? (laughs) How twisted is that? But it's one of the things that backs us off sometimes of this kind of affirmation. I don't know, but I think maybe the biggest reason is this one. Maybe the reason that speaking words that are intentional, situational, they give grace to others, are so lacking so much of the time. It may be that I haven't heard the voice of affirmation in my own life. Not yours, not your affirmation of, of me. That's important. Paul's reminding that, us of that today. But I'm talking about the one voice. The one voice of affirmation. The one voice of approval. The one voice who says in so many words, Well done, good and faithful servant. You see, because until I hear those words, until we hear those words, we're busy working for an identity. We're working for a righteousness. We're working for a reputation. And if that's my posture, I need your affirmation so much so that it's a bottomless well that you will never fill up. But when I hear those words, when we hear those words from the one voice that matters, when the Father in heaven says to you and you hear him say, I delight in you. I delight in you, son of the living God. I delight in you, daughter. I delight in you. Then the work is over. Somebody mentioned between services today, the, the two worship services, that, <clears throat> that at this point they had, they had gone back and looked at the assurance of pardon that we heard earlier this morning, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. The old, the new has come. For our sake, he made him who to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That is who you are, dear friends, in Christ. And when that is true of you, you have heard that voice. It's landed in your life and it has this ripple effect that you, you're no longer working for your own reputation. You're no needing and demanding the affirmation of others. And you know what that frees you to do? When you're not demanding that from others, you're free to offer it. Because that tank is full. You have been clothed in the righteousness of Christ by faith. And the Father in heaven looks at you and says, I delight in you. And you're no longer spinning the wheels and and pursuing a righteousness and a loveliness that evokes that response from the world. Or even from one another. You've heard that voice. And when you've finally heard that voice, you hear what your heart not only longs to hear, you hear what your heart was made to hear. And in that moment, the new heart that is born in you is not a heart of darkness that is, that is only and consistently and continually me-centered. It's now God-centered in a new way. And because it is God-centered, it is then other-centered as a consequence you know, Israel struggled with this. You know that story we, we, we visit from time to time, the background of the New Testament in which we are talking today. Israel continued to wander. They not only continued to wander again and again, they continually pondered, how does God take us back? I mean, we really messed up this time. Occasionally you hear that. And they had no answer until they came to grasp the fact and the reality that there's an aspect of the character of God that is unchanging and it is, it is His covenant faithfulness to Himself. And He is so committed to Himself and His glory and His purposes that He sent a son to take all that was ours, all that is ours, and to make it his sin. And that's why a father in heaven can say to you, I delight in you. Clothed in the righteousness of Christ, no longer spinning your wheels, trying to perform, receiving that, hearing that voice, then puts you and me in a place where we're not... Extracting it from one another, we have found it, and that tank is full. And because that tank is full, I now have something to offer you words that build up, words that fit the occasion. Give grace. It's Paul's story. You know, he was spinning his wheels. The one who wrote this, he was spinning his wheels in an attempt to manufacture a righteousness that he knew he was required to have. And it wasn't until God broke into his self-defeating efforts to make life work apart from, from Christ that he understood That life is found in Christ and in Christ alone. And that's why before Paul wrote Ephesians 4 he wrote Ephesians 3 and this prayer for you. Oh that he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being filled with words of grace for one another that's what turns a heart, a self-centered, me-centered dialogue into a fountain which flows with words of life that benefit those who hear he's called us to that But he's come to us in that. And when we hear his voice saying, I delight in you. I benefit from your affirmation. But I'm also placed in a position to offer it. And that's what we see when we see the word of God land in our lives and shape us and form us into this repentant community. You know, I said this community is formed by words, the currency of words. Hosea's words to the people of God were to take words with you when you come to him, asking for forgiveness. Take words with you when you go to one another. Words of correction from time to time when that is the need. But words of grace that build up. And these words, as we spend that currency, speaking to the one who has spoken to us, asking for that grace and mercy that we find only in him, we then have words to spend for the benefit of one another. Let's pray. Father, we would ask that you would so work that into us. This understanding and grasp that we would hear your voice. The one who has said through Christ, I delight in you those who have come to me in repentance and, and expressed their dependence upon me in faith and whose lives are set in motion, a life of love and service in the kingdom of God and the world to come, the world that is broken into this one. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.